If it is getting down on your knees in prayer, so be it. If it is sitting in quiet meditative reflection, so be it. If your thing is dancing in the kitchen with nobody watching, dance in the kitchen with nobody watching. But do that thing, whatever it is, that feeds your soul, that thing that nourishes you, that thing that makes you feel alive. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is Christopher T. Scuderi of the Universal Heart Ministry, and he is a full-time, full-service, non-denominational minister who has been serving all without exception since 2011. He has performed about 1,500 weddings to date and has received awards for the highest and most consistent rankings for performing weddings over the last decade. That is a lot of weddings. <laughs> he recently received an International Spiritual Leadership Award from the International Court System, a nonprofit organization which primarily serves the LGBTQ plus community through fundraising events. In what spare time he has, he loves to scuba dive, photograph nature, and he and his wife, Tina Marie, live in Utah. I'm pleased to present Christopher T. Scuderi. Christopher, you, wonderful to be here. It's good to have you. Are you ready to share your story of hope? Absolutely. Let's go for it. Awesome. So one interesting fact about you is that you have a gift for finding hearts. Tell me about this, because I remember when you were telling me about it initially, I was like, wait, what? Explain that to me. So, so tell me what that means. So quite literally, I find hearts just about anywhere I look. So I find heart shapes in clouds. I find heart shapes in rocks. Um, I find heart shapes in the pattern of either shadow or sunshine in a particular area. I find a heart shape in our cat's dish of food, just where she's <laughs> munched away. She walks away. I looked out. Oh, it's a heart shape. Wow. So literally, I pretty much see hearts wherever I look, which is actually how I derived the name for my own ministry, Universal Heart Ministry, because it all comes back to that universal heart space that we all are interconnected through. I've taken a number of, so you, you mentioned photography, uh-huh. not people. People is not my thing for photography. <laughs> uh-huh. um, nature. So all kinds of beautiful landscapes, skyscapes, um, you know, seascapes when I'm able to get out to Oceanside. And so I've got a number of photographs that I've taken through the years uh, of things that ended up being heart shapes, whether I realized it in that moment or not. Wow, that's cool. So uh, as a gift, my wife actually took a number of my photographs, put them together, Mm -hmm. and created a photo book for me. And then that grew into something that we created as a product that that I could sell, which is uh, just a coffee table book, basically, of some of my nature photography with my own kind of, you know, 
10 cents on my thoughts for the day. Uh -huh. um, and in going through those photos, a lot of them I already knew there was a heart shape there. There were some though that I didn't realize myself that there was a heart shape there. I just, it spoke to me, it called to me. I thought it was cool. I thought it looked beautiful. One prime example is I took a photo of a pond that had frozen over in the winter. There was a light dusting of snow around it. And then here's just this center patch of clear ice that you could see through and see this grouping of leaves that had been trapped under the ice. Oh, wow. And it took somebody else going through my photo book, seeing that photo and saying, oh, you do see hearts everywhere. Here's even a heart here. You're like, wait, what? Um, exactly. <laughs> wait, show me that. Where is that? And uh, so he showed me and I'm like, oh my goodness. Sure enough. Wow. So whether I realize it or not, most of the time I do, or I think I do, I find hearts. So Christopher, we're going to go back in your story. You would think that with all the weddings you perform, your life has just been hunky-dory and, and you, you've, you've had quite an adventure. <clears throat> oh, indeed. <laughs> so why don't you take us back to your dad was in the Air Force, yes. mm -hmm. which means you moved around a lot. What did life look like for you as a child and how did you experience it? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the short version is, uh, born in Oklahoma, eight and a half months old, we shipped over to Germany. And we bounced around Germany for the first four years of my life, okay? Now, I have some wonderful memories, even at such a young age. Uh, a beautiful park that we used to go to, where I would play in the, the you know, the beach sand, uh, around the swings, uh, a child that came over asked me for the balloon I had. My mom said, go ahead. I handed it to him, and he promptly let it go. Oh, no. So <laughs> I remember that rather well. Um, I remember sitting on my dad's shoulders uh, for, for fireworks um, and feeling like they were literally right on top of my head. Oh. Um, I was three years old standing in front of the Berlin Wall, which was still standing at that point. Wow. This is many, many years. <laughs> um, it thankfully has since been taken down. Yeah. But I do remember being three years old, standing in front of it, and it's very weighty feeling. And that that feeling of being there still still sits with me. Wow. I can still feel that just intensity. Uh, I do remember other more positive things like the Volks marches which are basically family hikes mm -hmm. that you go on through these rolling hills of just green and green and green some more. Mm -hmm. uh, the tulip fields in Holland, oh, uh, wow. many, many castles. I remember a lot of gold, gold gilded just about everything, uh, and a lot of red velvet. Wow. So many, many wonderful memories of my time there. Um, when we uh, came back to the States. We landed in Mississippi. So I was um, well, just starting kindergarten through, uh, through third grade in Mississippi. Now, as a child there, um, this is where I actually learned a little more about racism and uh, what other way to learn best than by baptism by fire. Oh, I guess so. so <laughs> In a class of uh, 36 students, I was one of four white children. And because I was the minority in that instance, 
at least in the area that we lived in, in Mississippi, um, pretty much every single day, a student would come over to me, uh, do something like grab my pencil, and I'd say, hey, give it back. And it was, uh, you know, that's it, three o'clock after school, you're mine. Mm. We're going to kick your butt. And sure enough, I would get beaten up just about every day after school. Wow. And it was simply for the color of my skin. So, yes, I learned very early on the, the differences there and the things that we as human beings attribute to what society expects, what culture dictates, mm. and a number of other, you know, 100 million different things. Yeah. So I did learn about being bullied. And when we moved here, to, it's, you know, here is Utah. Yeah. Um, when we moved here, I was eight going on nine years of age. And uh, I was always the new kid in school because yeah. we moved pretty much every two years. It was, it was pretty, pretty much like clockwork. I could expect to, you know, just get settled in, just get a good group of friends going and we're moving. Yeah. So coming to Utah, I was expecting it's going to be the same old thing. Give it another two years. We'll be gone. Uh, well, we ended up staying wow. and we've been here ever since. So wow. as far as I'm concerned, Utah is home. But when we did land here, because of the experience that I had just had in my years in Mississippi, I became the bodyguard for those who were being bullied. Mm -hmm. So anytime, you know, some kid would, uh, somebody would find an issue with some kid, they would start bullying them. And I literally would place myself physically in front of them and say, oh, yeah, you got to get through me. Mm -hmm. They didn't often make it through me let's just put it that way <laughs> you'd learned a thing or two by uh, then <laughs> uh, you, you could say that yes <clears throat> yes so it's it's pretty much been ingrained in me it's just part of my makeup to begin with i think to you know have a voice or help lend a voice to the underdog uh for those who don't feel they can or maybe even should speak up that it's okay to do that it's okay to stand up for yourself it's okay to stand up for what you believe in mm -hmm. and if somebody doesn't like that well that's their opinion not yours right and somebody taking advantage of you because of that is not okay right so if somebody isn't can't or isn't willing to stand up for themselves nine times out of ten you will find me right there saying well i'll take this up let's go mm. so Lot, lots of lessons early on. Oh my goodness, <clears throat> absolutely. Now, this has, this has played over and over and over again in your life. And here you are a minister, which, which you describe as being a minister, but they had to drag, God had to drag you into it, <laughs> kicking and screaming. So, so why don't you tell me that story of how you felt called to the ministry and, and why you were so reticent? <laughs> oh my goodness boy that how many hours have you got? <laughs> uh, i i tease but only a little bit um the shortest easiest answer to that is pretty much all of my life i've been the one that people came to you know as, even in school especially in school i should say people other students would come to me other kids would come to me with 
whatever was on their mind, whatever problems or challenges they were experiencing, I was always the shoulder to cry on. So, you know, in my earlier naivety, of course, I thought, well, clearly I'm going to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> you know? And for the longest time, I actually thought that was going to be my trajectory. That would yeah. be my route. Um, and then I found myself leaning more towards things of um, police work. You know, I've, I'm a great de armchair detective, I should say. And uh, so I thought for certain I was, I was more than likely going to end up you know, going through police academy, becoming an officer, later on move into detective, et cetera, et cetera. And when I got out of high school, I went right into um, security work, which I thought would be kind of a nice springboard to, to kind of start that trajectory. And quickly found that I was rather adept at, at what I did, very uh, observant. Uh, my skills of observation, However, nicely honed, uh, others noticed those skills, and I quickly moved up the ranks, uh, you know, becoming officer and then site security supervisor and then overall plant security. And that moved into field supervision, and then I became the uh, vice president of operations over security functions for a, a corporation. So... I quickly moved up those ranks in that field. So I decided, well, maybe police work isn't where I'm headed mm. and stayed uh, where I was at. And mind you, this is all, well, let's see, by the age of 25. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> that that um, is fast. Very. Um, by 28, I uh, was involved in a rather nasty automobile accident that kind of took me out of the, the game for a couple of years while they, I, I'm partially bionic. Oh. So a, a few things have been, you know, pins. I've got sea coral as a graft here to mend these bones together. Um, so it was a rather lengthy healing process. Um, during that time, my doctor had already told me that my stress level was, you know, through the roof and I need to figure out something else to do. Uh, otherwise, I was pretty much doomed to have a heart attack before I reached 30. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, ra rather scary news. Yes. Yeah. And I, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, tough it out, get through it. And well, somebody else had something different in mind for me. <laughs> and that is, I feel, my personal belief system, that was the silver lining behind this dark cloud with the auto accident was some people call it a cosmic two by four <laughs> upside the head telling you, nope, you are going to slow down. Mm. You are going to figure out something else. You are not meant to be on this path. This is where we divert you elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I say that I entered ministry kicking and screaming because I ended up working for a non-denominational church. So when Tina Marie and I were looking for somewhere to get married, we needed a place large enough to hold all of the guests because that woman, I swear, she knows everyone. We can't <laughs> even go out of state without running into at least one person, uh -huh. if not two or three or four, that she knows. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our guest list started at, uh, what, close to, mm, close to 1,300 people, I want to say. Oh, wow. And I begged <sighs> and pleaded 
for her to narrow that list down. I'm a simple man. I'm thinking 12, 18 people. Uh That's good for me. Uh Oh, no, no, no. Um, We ended up still packing the entire church, every single chair. So that's over 300 chairs. Oh, yes. So the guest list got shrunk down to 500 (laughs) invitations that went out. Uh, We we still had people from here, there, and everywhere that flew in or drove in to be there for our wedding service, which was wonderful. Mm -hmm. But again, we packed the church. Uh, This church building, uh, the minister that we met with there to perform our wedding ceremony at the time, just making, you know, chit-chat. He asked me, so what do you do for a living? Ha, funny you should ask. I'm kind of out of work right now. Mm-hmm. Because of everything that happened with the uh, with the auto accident and all of the healing and the recovery and everything else. Um, and, of course, the company I worked for needed to clearly continue on. And they sure. kind of just pulled me on the back burner for two years. Yeah. So when I made that comment, he says, well, you know, you're, you're way overqualified, I'm sure. Um, it's just a... A simple position with the church here, but if you're interested, it would be some work. Mm. And I, yeah, sure, why not? So I became their church administrator and later on also their bookkeeper. Wow. Um, I got up one Sunday and spoke before the congregation for a lay led service. And the vast majority of the congregation, I'd say a good 80% or so, came to me afterwards telling me. I had missed my calling. I spoke more eloquently than their settled minister oh, no. <laughs> of years, mind you. Um, and that, you know, I needed to go through seminary and become a minister. And my initial immediate response, knee-jerk reaction, hell no, you can't make me. <laughs> and I stuck to that because <laughs> you have to understand, I had seen how the sausage was made. You never, ever want to really know the inner workings of something if you still want to cherish it. Mm. Once you know the inner workings of something, especially something as dynamic as a congregation, this is, think of it as a dysfunctional family (laughs) on a large scale, okay? Because you have all of these different personalities these different egos, these different positions of status, et cetera, et cetera. I watched the haves and the have-nots go up against each other all the time. Mm. All of the arguments and the bickering over, you know, who got to do this or who got to do that or which committee reigns supreme to make sure that this happened. (laughs) You know what? We're all supposed to be in this together. Right? I know. (laughs) Okay. There's such a thing as teamwork. Brotherly love. You would think, (laughs) right? But I saw saw so much division. And truly for me, it broke my heart. Yeah. Because here are good people, good, well-meaning people that I feel lost sight. Lost sight of the whole reason and purpose that we are here, which is to help raise each other up, to help build each other up, not tear each other down. But that's what I kept seeing on a consistent basis. So, yeah, when I was told, no, you need to become a minister, oh, uh uh-uh, 
Mm-mm. No, nope, nope, nope. Not going to happen. I don't care how much money you've got. You can't pay me enough to become a minister. <laughs> Again. God had so, other plans. Different, different <laughs> ideas in mind. <laughs> Christopher, you don't know what you're talking about. Here, let me guide you. I know, right? Another cosmic two by four. Oh, let's hear it. So I was lifting a case of paper, a full box of paper from the floor up onto the table so that I could start dismantling it, put it away in the shelves. When I lifted, something popped in my bicep. Oh. Searing, hot, white pain in my bicep. Just about dropped me to the floor. But while I was out healing from the surgery on that, because I had spoken up against that settled minister, when I discovered some things that utilizing church funds not for church things mm. so i was a whistleblower i spoke up against the settled minister how dare i mm-hmm. um and uh, a lot of people took it very very personally um to my detriment mm. unfortunately and you know to a point i could see where they were at because he had been there for a number of years, whereas here I'm this relatively new guy. Yeah. What on earth? Mm-hmm. So, but as I said, I'm the type of guy I will stand up to the bullies, mm-hmm. and if I see that something is not right, I'm going to make a fuss. Yeah. I am going to say, "Hey, y'all need to be paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. This is not okay." Mm-hmm. So, anyways. While I was healing from this, uh-huh. uh, the church let me go by email. Oh, lovely. <laughs> uh, while I was healing, I decided, okay, what's next? Guide me. Where am I headed? What can I do? And something prompted me. God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd heard... Uh, you know, somebody make a comment about, well, you can always just go perform weddings. And I pish-toshed it when that comment came through. I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's mm-hmm. not for me. <laughs> wow. The things we learn in a rather short period of time right. <laughs> that we are, in fact, capable of doing. So, sure enough, I hopped online. I did some research. I found out a few things. So, not too long after, I went about getting ordained, uh, became a minister, and I knew that the easiest in for me, because I'd already spoken with so many colleagues that starting their own church, their own congregation, mm-hmm. took years yeah. to build up. Well, I didn't have that type of timeline. Yeah. So I needed to be, you know, getting something established so that I could still be contributing to the household and, you know, helping to pay the rent and the electricity, and, you know, Putting groceries in, yeah, might be a good plan. Uh, so, right off the bat, okay, let's get weddings started because I know that will start getting things, and then I can build up the rest of the ministry and you know incorporate these other items. And so I did. Uh, very quickly, very quickly, uh, my ministry skyrocketed with weddings. Um, my name was getting passed around here, there, and everywhere, which wonderful. Mm-hmm. I've had so many incredible couples through the years. 
that have genuinely uh, appreciated and have expressed their appreciation of my talents, skills, and abilities. Not only the way that I custom created their wedding ceremony, but the manner in which I delivered it. Mm. What I hear most often are um, my presence. I seem to have this way about me. Uh, I have a very calming, soothing nature. You do. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. My wife actually calls me the wedding whisperer. She used to call me the bride whisperer <laughs> until I started, you know, helping the grooms to calm down, uh, helping the parent of this one or that one to calm down. Uh -huh. um, you know, especially when there's challenging family dynamics, um, uh, especially when you've got, say, parents that have divorced oh. and they are not amicable in any way, shape, or form. But getting them to sit at the same table mm -hmm. or at least in the same row for their child's ceremony, yeah, you know, um, apparently I have quite the gift for that. So it's, I've been dubbed the wedding whisperer. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, I've served uh, almost 1,500 times. What's interesting about your life is that you found your mission in the detours. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting. I found that in my life too, that I found, mm -hmm. you know, my calling as I've been the mother to children with autism. It, and yet I did it kicking and screaming. I didn't want that <laughs> mission, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. I think God sometimes looks at us and says, I know what's best and it's going to be painful for a little while, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you're going to get through it and you're going to love it in the end. It's going to exactly. help you find your mission. It's going to help you find your voice. And I see that in you. So for, for someone who is, say, in a car accident right now, you having been in a car accident or some painful life detour, what are some of the lessons that you've been able to pull out of your life to help people keep going when oh they're, when they're <laughs> wondering, what the heck, God? What happened to me here? Always be willing to move forward to tomorrow, never really knowing what tomorrow might bring. Kicking and screaming, yes, absolutely. We, we as humans just tend to do that naturally because generally speaking, we don't like change. Mm -hmm. We want things a certain way and we have certain expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. It is. <laughs> so to have detours like this come up in our lives for many that can be very challenging it's not the way that we wanted it to go mm -hmm. i expected this how come i get this yeah and yet like i said if we're willing to keep moving forward without that expectation we can start to find the silver lining even in the darkest of clouds to help keep us moving forward mm -hmm. so that we can attain our sole purpose in life. Yeah. And when I say sole purpose, I mean S-O-U-L. <laughs> exactly. So for me, a lot of my life, from yay high to current, and I'm sure continuing moving forward, it will continue to be that I own the prize, just keep moving forward. So one of my uh, 
Big Kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies, Finding Nemo. I love that show. And what does Dory <laughs> say all the time? Just keep swimming. <laughs> there you have it. Okay. Yeah. So for me, when I'm out speaking to people, um, I do a lot for folks that are in the system of recovery. And that is recovery from all kinds of addictions or uh, suicidal ideation, severe depression. So when I'm speaking with them, of course, the emphasis is on don't get stuck in the past. The past is over and done with. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't fix it. You can't change it. The only thing you can do is glean the message from it to help you right here and now, which helps propel you forward. If we focus too much on the future, we're not living in the now. Mm. We are missing everything that is happening in our lives right here and now. So another one of my favorites, Kung Fu Panda. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm a big fan of Master Uguay. Oh, yeah. He's great. So how does that go? Um, the past is over. The future has yet to be written. Right now, we have the present. It is a gift. So the more we focus on what we have right here and right now in this moment, when we are in gratitude for the blessings or even the blessings, that would be the blessing within the lesson. Oh, the blessings, uh-huh. I like that. Then we can effectively, constructively continue to move forward. How do you find that lesson in the, the lesson? <laughs> the, the blessing because, in the lesson? Yes, because sometimes when you're in it, it's hard to see it. Oh, it's always hard when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. When we can separate ourselves from the emotion of it, when we can um, almost like put it in in an aquarium where we can look at it from the outside and view what's actually happening. Okay, the, the bicep tendon, prime example. In the moment, absolute excruciating pain. Yeah. The surgery that followed was painful. The recovery time was long and arduous. All of the rehab to get, you know, functionality back and doing, you know, simple things like this uh, with my fingertips. Um, All of those things. And then you add on, here's this extra challenge, extra weight of, I am now without a job again. Uh How do I keep a roof over our heads? How do I keep food on the table? How do I keep the lights on? Yeah. Mm. So in that moment, yes. Pain, agony, misery, you know, maybe even some feelings of I'm hurt. I feel rejected. My job just let me go. I was doing a wonderful job for them. Here I am sticking up for them, standing up for them. And this is what they do to me. Mm-hmm. So even with all of that, the lesson. The blessing within that lesson was this detour. Had that not happened, would I have still made this trajectory for my life path, my career? Probably, most likely. Though I imagine it would have come much further down the road than it did. Mm -hmm. I tried my hand at the, you know, Sunday services and the every Sunday services thing 
is not really my passion. It's not my forte, mm -hmm. which is why I took myself out of the congregational arena, mm -hmm. left myself as more of a community minister. So somebody told me once, oh, you're just like Jesus Christ <laughs> because he was a traveling minister. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, and Christ did minister to all yeah. without exception, which is how my ministry is based. And that's based on my own personal philosophy. No one gets left behind. No one gets left out. Everyone. Always included. Always. That is beautiful. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tamara K. Anderson, and I want to share something special with you. When our son Nathan was diagnosed with autism, I felt like the life we had expected for him was ripped away and with it, my own heart shattered as well. It's very common for families to feel anger, pain, confusion, and anxiety when a child is diagnosed. This is where my book, Normal For Me, comes into play. It shares my story of learning to replace my pain with acceptance, peace, joy, and hope. Normal for Me has helped change many lives, and I'd like to give this book to as many families as possible. We put together something I think is really special. My friends and listeners can order copies of my book at a significantly discounted price, and we will send them to families who have just had a child diagnosed with autism or another special needs diagnosis. We will put your name inside the cover so they will know someone out there loves them and wants to help. I will also sign each copy. You can order as little as one or as many as hundreds to be shared with others. So go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com and visit the store section for more information and to place your order. You can bless the lives of many families by sending them hope, love, and peace. Check it out today at TamaraKAnderson.com and help me spread hope to the world. Now, why don't you give us a little <clears throat> more background on, on, I know that you probably started establishing that, that those feelings when you were little, <laughs> but, but I think it, it also evolved and, and we've, we've left out a chunk of your life here with the drug and alcohol and your involvement with the LGBTQ community. So why don't you dive into a little bit of how you've been able to uh, embrace this philosophy and why it is so critical, especially right now. Which philosophy? Oh my goodness, all of it. That, the, <laughs> the love and embracing all. Mm. So... I'd say a lot does have to do with my early formative years. Um, having been bullied, having seen the other end of hatred simply for the color of my skin. And, and please understand, I have plenty of friends who are people of color. Mm -hmm. You know, every color of the rainbow, okay? Yeah, yeah. I have a widely diverse um, array of friends from all walks of life, all creeds, all religions, all, you know, little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So carrying that knowledge of what it's like to be treated as less than, to be treated as marginalized, uh, rather eye-opening for a child, even more so as an adult looking back on that mm -hmm. and saying, 
okay, this is, this is part of what helped shape me into the being that I am today. Being more, more cognizant, um, having a better, at least I think, a better level of understanding than maybe the average Joe. Uh, I've had a number of conversations with people who don't understand that side of the spectrum. So, you know, and here's this white boy coming in and talking about these issues and they're going, well, how would you know? Uh-huh. Well, because I lived it. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I have a friend that happens to be African-American and she and I have had many wonderful discussions and you know, we've talked about especially what has been happening these days. Yeah. And there's a large emphasis on Black Lives Matter, which is wonderful. And at the same time, and I catch grief for this every now and again, where I'm at is, but all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand and appreciate the struggle that has come to this point to make it, this is the topic of the day. It needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. And at the same time, if we are living as Christ taught through his gospel, that we love one another, period. There are no exceptions. There is no this list against that list. There is no this person against that person or color against color. In fact, if you actually read the Bible, nowhere, not any single word in there states that Cain came from someone who was black. Nowhere in the Bible does it state that black having black skin is what other people have tradition they well words have been twisted mm. so I, I could really get biblical on you right now and, and go into the the few different areas where someone might say well that but no, this is how black people are less. No, it's not. It's what people have made it out to be. Mm-hmm. But nowhere in there does God actually state. And if you are accepting the Bible as the word of God, then you understand that God is saying, none of my children are less than the other, period. If you follow Christ's gospel teachings, mm-hmm. Christ sat with murderers and rapists, and lepers. He sat with people of all walks of life. He never treated anyone better than another, differently than another, because, and perhaps this is where another huge portion stems from, for me personally, we are all one. We are one. There are no separations except the ones that we as humans have created and that we as humans continue to perpetuate. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we've done a huge disservice to humanity as a whole. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten the divine, innately divine beings that we are, each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. I don't care your skin color. I don't care what faith tradition you follow or don't. Mm-hmm. I serve atheists as well as agnostics, as well as pagans, as well as Muslims, as well as Christians of all kinds of denominations. Mm -hmm. He served all. Mm -hmm. Christ served all. Buddha served all. Mm -hmm. Pretty much any faith tradition you follow, the common thread throughout 
It's based on kindness. It's based on generosity. It's based on love. Which brings me to one of my favorite scriptures. Happens to be 1 Corinthians. Most people are familiar with chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Right. That is that love is patient. Love yes. is kind. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. If you follow to the last line, the absolute last line, so that would be verse 13. In most texts, it depends on whether it's New International Version, right. or New <laughs> Testament, or, okay. But generally speaking, it's that final line that said, says, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And the greatest of these is love. When we return to that learning, when we return to that, that which is our pure essence of soul, that's our purpose in life. We don't need a manual. We don't need people telling us this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, We're supposed to be raising each other up, helping each other out, elevating spirits. Mm -hmm. Someone's different than you? Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Celebrate that. Yeah, Celebrate their individuality. My wife and I, we've served the LGBTQ plus community in a wide variety of capacities over the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, so I'm coming up on my 50th birthday here. Not, not too far around the corner. Thank you. <laughs> I'm rather proud of that fact and, and the gray hair that comes with it. Yeah. Um, my best friend in high school came out to me as gay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not long after, again, I was the shoulder to cry on. Everybody came to me with you know, what was on their mind. Yeah. Not long after that, another friend came to me and he came out to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Still my friend. Still care about you. Mm -hmm. Nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. You're still the same guy I knew before. Mm -hmm. Same guy I rode uh, skateboard with. Same guy I rode my huffy bike with. <laughs> you know, nothing's changed there. Mm -hmm. But yet, so many people, oh, want nothing to do with you. And I've watched, unfortunately, so many parents turn their children out, completely disown them. You are not welcome in my home. I hate you. Wow. What loving parent could ever say that to their own child? And yet, I've seen it, unfortunately. Uh, one of the friends I was telling you about, uh, so I took a, a karate class after school, and I was just getting done with class when he comes racing in, tears are streaming down his face, and uh, he asked me to hide him. Why? What's going on? And then he proceeds to tell me that his mother just chased him around the house with a butcher knife. <gasps> she was going to murder him because she found out he was gay. Wow. Wow. Again, what loving parent would ever say or do anything like that to their own child? Mm. And yet it happens. So Tina Marie and I have always spoken up for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, again, number wide variety of capacities through the years. Everything from simple volunteerism on you know different committees. Uh, we've both been board of directors. We've been chairpersons. 
you name it, been there, done that. We even created a nonprofit organization to help specifically those who are transgender to be able to more easily move from you know, one gender marker to the next, um, especially in, in things like employment uh, documentation, driver's license, social security, things like that. Because at the time, there wasn't anything. There wasn't anything to help these people to transition smoothly or easily, or more easily, I should say. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots and lots of hoops for them to jump through. And nobody at the time was standing up to say, this isn't okay. You know, if this person needs to live a healthy, happy, well-adjusted life, how can they do that if you're not making it easy for them to do something as simple as change the gender marker on the driver's license? So I'll give you an example. Say you've got someone who happens to be male to female. So they were designated as male at birth. They recognize that they are female. They're making the, you know, the necessary steps to transition to female. So imagine that you're looking at one, someone who, by as far as you can see, is absolutely female. Mm -hmm. But you need to see their driver's license for something. And that driver's license still shows, even if they have legally changed their name, it might show the legal name change. So you've got Sarah, but it shows male. Mm. Well, unfortunately, still to this day and age, that leaves people wide open for all kinds of harassment, violence even. Um, it is rather unfortunately unfortunate that so much violence does exist against transgender people. And the, the number of murders are always up close and personal. Oh. So we're, we're talking multiple gunshot wounds, multiple stabbings, or wow. beaten about the head and the face and the body with baseball bats, you know, oh. very, very violent. And it's largely due to People don't know how to deal with something that they don't understand. Again, the soul of the matter. Uh -huh. What does your soul say? Mm. So maybe it's biology. Maybe it's who you innately are. It's not my place to judge or say which it is or which it is not. Some people are very tied to having a scientific biological fact. Here's why this is happening. Mm -hmm. And I say... Why can't we just let people be people, be who they are? That person being trans does not affect me in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Does it affect you in any way, shape, or form? No, they're living their life. They're being, in my opinion, if they're actually going through transition, they're being true to who they are. They are letting go of the deception that has been their life, which has been maybe trying to live up to other people's expectations of this is what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. I must be macho. I must play football. I must know all of the sports scores. <laughs> I, uh, I, I must know how to tear down and rebuild an engine. I must know how to X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Yeah. And maybe I joined the military because that's what a manly man does. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people I have met who that has been their story. Maybe they even did get married to a woman and have children because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And then they finally come to a point where it's, I either have to be true to myself and live authentically, or if I have to keep living this lie, I'm gonna die. And it might be by my own hand. Again, very unfortunate, but all too often true. So yeah, we stepped in and we created an organization to help people be able to transition a little more easily, at least as far as documentation went. We went so far as to go in and speak to corporations so that they're, as their employee was transitioning, we can help explain not only to them, but to the other employees, here's what's happening. Here's some of the changes that you can expect to see. The question that I got most often, well, I'm having trouble with this pronoun thing. So what do I do about that? You know, because most people want to be decent and respectful and kind. Absolutely. And so my simplest suggestion there for a lot of people. Please, fill us in. Say their name over and over and over and over and over again, no matter how redundant, how repetitive it is. Because the more times you say the name that they have chosen, if it is a different name that they've gone to, at least that helps solidify it which will make it easier to be able to get the proper pronoun correct. Mm. So that's actually some really good advice. I like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it makes, it certainly makes the transition for the person transitioning much easier because well, as we know, anytime that we are doing something, especially if it's maybe outside of our comfort zone, we know that there might be some pushback uh, there is the possibility for rejection. What do we do? Well, we kind of cocoon. If we know that we have support, though, if we know that, you know, no matter what, I love you, I care about you, you are a fellow human being, I will raise you up. I will be there for you if you need me to be there for you. Be you. Be true to you. That is the greatest gift you can give back to God, in my opinion opinion is being true to how you were created to begin with mm. which is following your your soul purpose wow that's beautiful so the solution really is education love mm. yes overall love absolutely like you said in mm. first corinthians but um and and being kind mm -hmm. yeah people are people are going to have differences of opinion and people are very strongly based in whatever religion that they have been raised with. Mm -hmm. And the biggest hurdle that I have come across in speaking to people, especially about this particular topic, yeah. because it can be quite controversial, mm -hmm. um, is that simple fact that it's what I was raised with, this is my understanding of it, this is wrong. If God created you this way, does that make God wrong? Is God wrong? Does God make mistakes? Well, if you don't believe that God makes mistakes, then how can you believe that his own creation is wrong? Because your own creation is being true to who they are, who they know themselves to be. That is and a beautiful honoring way. that gift. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to explain it and think about that. 
I can tell you've had practice. <laughs> lots and lots and lots. <laughs> oh my goodness. So for families out there who are perhaps struggling with a family member who may be going through a transition or who comes out of the closet, mm -hmm. um, what would your best advice be? Love them. Just love them. Even if they try to push you away because understand that what they're expecting is to be rejected. Mm. It's in the movies, it's on TV all the time. It surrounds us, it permeates our world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for someone who happens to be LGBTQ plus, they might be anticipating that you're, you're not going to love them. You're going to reject them. You are going to want nothing to do with them. Right. And they've seen it happen to friends. Mm -hmm. It's not just in the movies and on TV. They've seen it happen to other people. They know. So my greatest advice personally, love them. Absolutely, wholeheartedly. Whatever you can do to support, lovingly support your child. Don't, don't question them. Don't, oh, that's just a phase. This is their life experience, not yours. Mm -hmm. You might not have had that experience, and that's wonderful for you, mm -hmm. but you don't know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And these are different times. Things are happening today that didn't happen 10 or 20 years ago. Right. So our experience is not what these young folks are, are experiencing today. Mm -hmm. So in some areas, there have been great, I think, there have been great strides forward in recognizing that LGBTQ plus people are of worth and dignity, just as everyone else is. Mm -hmm. And still, there is that, but we have religion telling us this. Mm -hmm. Well, are you looking at the word of God, or are you looking at what was... See, the Bible has been written and rewritten and rewritten some more many, 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 many times throughout the ages. And depending on which person happened to be in power at that time is how wording was altered. Right. So even pick up a Bible today, and I guarantee you the wording will not even be the same as the book that I read as a child. Mm -hmm. Depending on who is in power is how the wording gets rewritten. Yeah. If you look at what Christ taught, love, kindness, generosity, mm -hmm. above all else. Yeah. When we come back to that, again, that is our sole purpose in this life. We are all connected. We are all one, regardless of similarities or differences. And even if those differences seem miles apart, mm -hmm. Think Flaming Gorge. We've got <laughs> a huge stretch apart. We are all still one. Yeah. We should be here to raise each other up, build each other up, not tear each other down. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> for people who are struggling, pray for help, pray for strength, because like you said, God is a God of love. Raise each other up. Absolutely. I love that. So, because I, I often deal with a lot of people who they've been burned by religion, okay? Mm -hmm. um, or people in religious authority. So 
uh, I, like I said, I work with a lot of atheists, a lot of agnostics. Well, maybe something's out there, don't really know what it is, and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But you've got to find what resonates for you personally, whether that is God or Buddha or Allah or, you know, cosmic universe, okay? Infinite possibilities, whatever you attribute that higher power set that something that is greater than yourself, whatever you attribute that to be, lean on that. Look to that. If it is getting down on your knees in prayer, so be it. If it is sitting in quiet, meditative reflection, so be it. If your thing is dancing in the kitchen with nobody watching, dance in the kitchen with nobody watching. But do that thing, whatever it is, that feeds you your soul, that thing that nourishes you, that thing that makes you feel alive. And not just alive, but joyful to be alive. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, especially in those dark, challenging times, that can be the hardest thing in the world to see. Mm -hmm. Light at the end of the tunnel, what's that? Mm -hmm. There is, mm -hmm. there absolutely is. If we are willing, look for it it's that just keep swimming that we go yeah. back to that you were mm -hmm. talking about earlier just keep going another day and another day and eventually you'll see that little speck of light in the distance right exactly <laughs> and it will all come together even those detours even especially those detours <laughs> that's when we start to look back and go oh i get well, it. I, I see what you did there okay <laughs> i got it now Oh my goodness. Well, Christopher, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for not only sharing your story, but sharing your wisdom and teaching us that love truly is the key. That's the most important part to bridging these differences. Absolutely. Um, and that we can, we can love all people. And thanks for setting the example and doing that. I, I'm really thankful to have been able to have you on the show and to have you share your amazing wisdom and finding gratitude and loving and it's just been it's been a privilege well thank you so much it's been my honor and privilege to be here hey thanks so much for listening to today's show if you like what you heard subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope i know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time and i hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast if you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.